Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. I have the privilege of having back a guest that I had on a previous episode, Dr. Lark Eshelman, who is an author, a therapist, an educator, and her expertise is working with kids and teens who have experienced early emotional trauma and attachment difficulties. And she's also the creator of STAT, which is Synergistic Trauma and Attachment Therapy. And Dr. Lark's experiences as a school principal, psychologist, librarian, parent, and in her own childhood have all really shaped her pioneering work in providing families, teachers, therapists, and institutions with the necessary understanding and tools to support young people on their healing journeys. Um, And because we have had a conversation before, it felt very natural to invite her back because it was such a lovely first experience that uh, I was excited to to ask, and she said yes. So uh, Lark is with us again, but this time we're going to be talking about anxiety. So we're pivoting a little bit from um, the the primary focus of our conversation last time around attachment and trauma. And now we're going to look more uh, uh, closely at the nature of anxiety and problematic anxiety and how to know the difference. Sometimes that's really tricky to be able to tell. So we're going to tease a few things apart in this episode. Um, before we begin our conversation, I'll, I'll kind of give you a, a, a map for where we're headed. One of the things we really wanted to tease apart was the difference between what we would call situational and biologically based anxiety. So we're going to try and tackle that first. Then we're going to talk a little bit about what about when number one becomes number two? So what about when it may be starts as situational? Can it, can it um, convert into something that feels more biologically based. And then the third thing uh, we're going to talk about is how the heck are you supposed to know the difference between feeling anxious, because that's supposed to happen for us at times, and having a full-on anxiety disorder. And so uh, we have a lot to cover, and we might just split this up into two episodes. We'll see how this conversation goes. But Lark, welcome back. Thanks for coming. Oh, thank you, Karen. It's just fun to be back with you because you're just a natural. You get it and you ask the right questions and you give me a chance to ramble a little, which of course I love to do uh, about these topics that can be very straightforward, but also are very often much more um, uh, detailed, intricate, somewhat convoluted, and we need to be really careful to make sure that we're being clear. And I hope that at the end of our time together, whether it's part one or part two, or if we just just kind of plow through the whole thing right now is that we talk about what we can do about it, how we can help. And, and Karen, are we focusing on kids or are we talking about anxiety across the board? Just so I I think that's, yeah, let's focus on kids, but I think it's kind of a false line because we, Mm -hmm. as parents, because this is a topic around how we're parenting our kids with anxiety, it brings up our own stuff. And so it's good for us to be, bringing that in where it's applicable. So I'm open to wherever that boundary sits. But I think, yeah, primarily, we want to help equip parents and understanding like what's going on for my poor kiddo. You know, they're not thriving. And there's something I wish I could do differently. And I don't know how to approach it. Um, Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. 
Okay, so let's begin then with that first clarification. We need to really understand what separates situational anxiety from biologically based anxiety. Can you describe those two? What makes them unique? Yes, and I hope you you don't um, find this offensive in any way. But I'm going to say that both are biological. So I, I wanted I want to mm-hmm. just say that they both come from our biology, and they both are in our neurology, and that's how our neurology responds to certain situations. Yes. Um, either uh, gener- in a generalized way, which is the diagnosis that we use is generalized anxiety disorder for the type that is everything. We just feel anxious all the time, no matter what the situation is, no matter what's yeah. going on, we can't come back from that feeling. And yeah. that's the generalized anxiety disorder, which of course is biological, but it is um, also a, a, a pervasive Um, biological response. It happens all the time with anything regardless of or irrespective of triggers. The other situational is, again, biological, but it is our biological response to certain things that make us anxious. Mm -hmm. But when those certain things are not there or staring at us, or we're not anticipating that they're going to happen, like, oh my gosh, um, I'm, I'm going to a party. I won't know anybody. I won't know what to say. I won't know what to do. I might look stupid. I might yeah. not know anybody there. That situational anxiety will go away either if you decide to not go to the party or afterwards once you're there and somebody comes up to you and says, um, gosh, I'm glad you're here. Come on over and let's talk to some friends and then you take a deep breath and you can relax. So one is, and I know why you use the term biological, because you're right. It's generalized anxiety disorder is imprinted in your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that is your set point or that is your, um, where you live. Yeah. And when I, when I try to help kids understand the difference, I might say to them, you know how you play tag and you, you run to the tree that's going to be your safe place and you say home free or whatever term you use for that. And you can take a deep breath and you're like, I'm safe here. I'm not going to get caught. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, Mm -hmm. then most likely you have a generalized anxiety disorder that doesn't allow you to ever come back from that place of just being worried about everything, being anxious about everything. And so it's, it kind of takes over your whole brain and nervous system. I love how you describe the difference. So when I, you know, I get, if if I'm trying to clarify the terms, uh, maybe it's what I'm thinking of is like all anxiety is physiological. So we feel it physically, right? And then the biological piece is more like we are born into the, we're wired in to have a different set point, which I love that. That's how you describe that, right? Situational is like, it brings us out of our set point into an anxious place. And then we feel that physiologically, right? Okay, it removes us from our normal set point. Yeah, those are very different experiences, isn't it? If you never feel like you can come back to ground zero that feels steady. Right, and you know, when you study um, early development, and you meet those kids who really never were safe. They yep. may have had, they may have had uh, the 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 makings of or the precursors of an anxiety disorder in utero. Yeah, because this is something that happens when you just don't feel uh, 
like you can take that deep breath and say, oh, everything's good. Mm-hmm. These are kids who may have drug or alcohol in their system. Mother may be very anxious. And so her hormones, which are the ones that allow us to be anxious. Anxiety is a good thing. Let's let's back up for a sec. Yeah, Anxiety yeah, yeah. is a really good thing. We need to have it because it's the thing mm-hmm. that protects us and keeps us alive. Yep. So if we were not anxious, then when we saw a rabid dog running towards us, mm-hmm. we wouldn't run away. Yep. So we need to be anxious and it's a good thing. It's when it's a constant, steady, and um, hormonal uh, response that just keeps us in that place all the time. Yeah. That's when we see those kids. And I used to see them once in a while in school when I was a principal or a school psychologist, mm-hmm. that there were those kids who could just never drop the shoulders. Yep. Yep. Couldn't do it. And it's very sad to see. Yeah. Isn't it? It's Trouble, hard yeah. to watch that energy stuck in a kid's yep. body. Yeah. Stuck and stuck is the word stuck is it's the, it's the perfect word, Karen, because these Mm -hmm. kids are stuck. Mm -hmm. It's not their choice. It's not that they have decision-making about it. They're stuck there Yeah. until we intervene and we can, and it is a treatable Mm -hmm. disorder. So I'm glad we can get that up front. So people don't feel like, Oh, I'm not going to listen to this. This is a forever (laughs) game. (laughs) (laughs) No sense listening. It's just doom and gloom. No, it is a very treatable disorder. And the generalized anxiety part is the one that is um, it's diagnosed in the manual, the um, Mm -hmm. diagnostic and statistical manual or DSM, which is the code book that we use, as you know. So, yeah. Um, so that you can go into the doctor, you can have testing, we can talk about this later if you want, but mm-hmm. um, the doctor or whoever, the therapist, should be able to diagnose that with set of criteria and yeah. distinguish it from situational anxiety, which is not a formal disorder. It's something that happens mm-hmm. to all of us mm-hmm. from time to time. But if you can come back from it yeah. and it's paired with certain situations like speaking in front of people. A lot yeah. of people have that situational yeah. anxiety. Yeah. Then you're, you know, you're able to make the distinction and treat. Yeah, I can see why it's fuzzy when you're a parent just watching a human being on its own, right? It's, there's yeah. nothing to compare it to, but you sense that maybe there's a, a really heightened sensitivity to certain situations. So that's mm-hmm. when we often will say, "I have a really anxious kid." Or mm-hmm. I have a super shy child, or I have a right. really, she really has a struggle with a lot of things that have to do with other people. Or it's so it doesn't just feel super narrow or contained to public speaking, for instance, or um, around dogs, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like not really narrow. And as soon as it broadens, it starts to kind of take shape like it feels like it's happening so often for so many situations, it feels generalized or it looks like it's all the time. And that's where being a parent is tough, tough work. Right. Because yeah. if you, if you're concerned, if you're concerned enough that you're going to go seek help for this, mm-hmm. you are going to be asked questions that will, re- you'll end up scratching your head. If you have yep. a child who seems to be generalized, generalizably anxious, I don't know what the exact right mm-hmm. term is. If they yeah. seem to always be anxious. Yeah. And you, are asked the question, well, really, is it all the time? 
Can they go to sleep? Are they um, very jumpy? Do they have certain characteristics of generalized anxiety? And you say, mm-hmm. well, yes, uh, but mm, not 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then let's start teasing it out. So if you yeah. are a parent who is concerned, it would be a good a good thing to check that out, to be on the lookout for when it is that my child shows the worst of this. Yeah. And you know what, Karen, the other thing is we talk about this a lot in psych and I think it's very frustrating for parents because it's like, really, you're going to say this again, but it's true. Mm -hmm. There is a kind Mm -hmm. of a norm, which is uh, in the middle, but it's, there's a range in the middle. Yeah, that's right. And then there are the real outliers on one side or the other. So you may have a child who seems like they may even have a generalized anxiety disorder because it's so often, but they may be on the fringe. And it may be that if you do certain things at home, Mm -hmm. which again, I'll talk about, or we can talk about at the end. um, Yeah. If you try these things and they help, Mm -hmm. oh, well, then maybe we can get a handle on this without having to go full on diagnostic of generalized anxiety disorder. It's tricky business. I also think about timeline. It is tricky business. It's very foggy, right? Nothing is as clear as any book will tell you. But when you, You when, when, like, I think another, another clarifying question to ask yourself is, has my child always been this way? So even though they, it's very thick and generalized looking right now about all the things, maybe this started last school year or maybe this, right? So something has shifted that caused that child to feel they had to be hypervigilant or eyes open wide all the time. Whether or not it's rational, it doesn't matter, it's perceived, then that can put a child in a state of looking like they're in generalized anxiety because it, yes, the whole world feels all of a sudden unsafe, but maybe for the first 10 years it didn't, right? And, you know, that may be the question that a lot of parents are asking themselves right now as we're near the end, I hope, of COVID. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like I may have said that the last time and we aren't there mm-hmm. yet, but the yeah. last time we spoke. But if children were not particularly anxious before or maybe showed yeah. it a little but not a lot, and now they seem to be anxious about everything pretty much all the time. Yeah. Now we get to that place where we talk about situational anxiety kind of blending into or or easing into um, that whole generalized anxiety situation. Some kids have it from the time they're born. Some kids learn it. It becomes um, their state of being because they're in that mode of being anxious so much of the time that their brain says, oh, I guess this is the way I'm supposed to be. That's right. Yeah. It's adapting. I guess I just, it's adapting to the environment. That's right. Yeah. Right. Because, because if you think about it, if um, our nervous system is supposed to be on set point to keep us safe and constantly for the last two years or so, they've been feeling maybe it's not so safe or Mm -hmm. whatever the situation is going on at home or at school or wherever they're, wherever they are. Um, they're, they learn, we live what we learn and what they are learning is the world is in a very safe place. Yeah. yeah. We're kids. I know. By the way, the, the statistics right now are through the roof and I have been following oh. them as they've been aggregated 
uh, pretty much around the world. <clears throat> what are we seeing? We're seeing double and triple numbers of anxiety Ooh. and depression among children and, and mm-hmm. teens. It's very worrying because, you know, the longer these kids stay in this state, yeah, uh, the more chance that they're going to, the situational uh, anxiety is going to yeah. become pervasive or generalized anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And also because there is a real lack, a real dearth. Anybody who's out there looking for good therapists or good psychiatrists or good mm-hmm. pediatricians who can really nail it and help it, few and far between right now. We've lost yeah. so many, not necessarily to death, although we have lost some wonderful people to yeah. COVID. Um, but a lot of people have just said, I can't do this anymore. And so they're yeah. leaving the field. Yeah. It's tough. And the rest, the rest of those of us who continue to do the work, I'm sending 15 people away a week. Yeah. That was not pre-COVID, right? So the demand and the availability, it's just not right. even near a match. Um, it's, I know this, like watch, get trying to find new therapists for my kids in the last couple of years has been the same struggle. Everybody comes back. Sorry, I have no space. Sorry, I'm looking at the fall. Sorry, I'm, and I'm saying the same thing to people. And so this is further, I'm reaching out for support and can't get it. I know I need it and I can't have it. And it's like a long game. It's not like just hold for a month. We're looking at a half a year in a lot of cases. It's, it's really uh, frightening because this kind of yeah. um, pervasive anxiety among our youth mm-hmm. not only will affect their lives, but will affect their children's lives. That's this is right. um, the tale yeah. of COVID, the long, mm, the, the kind of uh, changes that are happening now are not going to, we can't snap our fingers and they'll it go away. It won't show up yet until, yeah, I know it keeps rippling. Yeah. yeah which is pretty scary. Yeah. We're talking ourselves into an anxiety and to a panic attack I know. right now, Karen, which it's, is another kind of an anxiety disorder. But isn't it kind of real? Because this is, we're not overreacting. It's, no, we're not. this is, we're being really realistic about paying attention and what we know to be true in these waves of crisis. When we collectively yeah. go through these things, we collectively have ripple effects from them. This is not, we can't, we can't, pretend this isn't going to have some backlash right so so when we see those come how are we now preparing for them well and how are we going to mitigate that and and at a big level because we aren't talking about a certain family or a certain child or a certain city we're talking globally can you imagine how this is reshaping the nervous systems of the world (laughs) all at the same time right Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's true. And then we also understand now um, through Rachel Yehuda's work and the work that has come subsequent to her initial work uh, that that certain panicky kind of responses Mm -hmm. can be encoded in DNA and passed on to children. Yes. Yeah. So not to say that kids are born with an anxiety disorder, although we talked about that a little bit, they can easily be predisposed to it, which means I never quite understood what that meant in real life, you know, to be predisposed. But as I'm watching the brain scans that are coming out of these studies, Mm -hmm. I see exactly what it means. That little brain 
with that changed DNA, it's uh, it's just more susceptible. It's like some people get the flu yeah. more easily than others. Some people get colds yeah. more easily than others. And that's some people get anxiety more easily than others because yeah. in part because of their changed DNA, because mom mm. had um, panic disorder or uh, yeah. a kind of disorder that just changed her DNA. Mm-hmm. So it's, yes, it's, you're right. It's a very worrying kind of thing. And yeah. we are, um, we're having to work really hard to get a handle on mm-hmm. it. And I hear that you are doing, you're doing the same, both with your children and in your practice. Yeah. Well, and I always think, well, we could go the hopeless route, throw our hands up in the air and go, dang, we're stuck. Here it comes. I'll right. just wait it out. I'll wait till it shows up and I'll be sad about it. Where we can say, yep, here it comes. Uh, how, In the same way that we are primed by these lived experiences to become more anxious, we can also do things to prime ourselves to be resilient. Right. right? And so my only choice and power and agency here is to work with strategies to be, to prime myself to be as resilient as possible, knowing that that is what's coming down the pipe. Right. And I, I want that for kids. I want them to have the ability to soothe themselves, the ability to come back to their own base ground, the, the ability to, because the ability is what's going to help them show up for themselves when the circumstances can't be changed and they have to face them. Right. So I think we should wrap up this episode here. We've done a, I think a pretty good job of covering all the differentials between types of anxiety, helping parents understand kind of the how to name when it becomes problematic. I think if we can pause here, next episode we're going to dive in to the what to the what it looks like on the ground when we're trying to intervene or we're trying to support our kids, the practical side of stuff. So, I hope you will all join us for part 2 on this topic around anxiety and our kids. Thanks for spending time with me today. Remember to check out the show notes for related resources. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash LRL series, where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.